1: the show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builders Show, and along with my executive producer, D.C. Taylor, and today my co-host, J. Kelly Hoey, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Let me tell you my super objective in being with you today. I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders, that's you, by the way, so you can inspire others. My guest with me today, Kelly's, and my guest today is Jules Pierre. Hi, Jules. How are you?
2: Hi, Marty. Hi, Jay Kelly. I'm great.
1: Wow. Let me give a very brief introduction uh, and we'll get into more details on her background, on our company's background, et cetera, as we discuss things. But Jules Pierre is co founder and CEO of The Gromit a site that has launched more than 2,000 consumer products since 2008. And she has written a great book, of which we're going to spend most of our time on today. The title of the book is How We Make Stuff Now, Turn Ideas Into Products That Build Successful Businesses. I'd like to read that subtitle again, Turn Ideas Into Products That Build Successful Businesses. Jules, again, welcome to the Business Builders Show. And here's my first question. What was the problem the grommet set out to fix? Talk to me about that.
2: Pure and simple, the best products, the best innovations come from small businesses. But it's been getting harder and harder for them to reach the market, to find an audience to be deemed as credible because retail got really consolidated into a lot of big stores as opposed to the mom and pops and regional chains that used to exist. So we wanted to help them build a community, shine a spotlight on them and um, help to surface quality products and help them succeed.
1: Why did that happen? Or why is that happening? Why is the maker space grown so much? What's happening in our world today?
2: It's primarily a technology story, frankly. If you think about why did all the software companies get born, the Facebooks, the Googles, et cetera, it's actually a really simple human driver behind that. It was that software, the tools to write software, became cheap and accessible, and creative people will always go to the tools, the exciting new tools. Well, the exact same thing is happening for physical products in that, It used to be just a big company game to do that professionally. But between the internet alone, allowing a person who really has no idea how to create a product to start to figure out some of the key components of that, whether it's finding a designer or doing market research, um, the internet is their friend. And then the physical creation has gotten easier because of things like 3D printing And laser cutting so you can prototype more easily and make it real faster and better. And then crowdfunding came along a little bit later than the things I just said. But it's become really important, too, because that first campaign that many people do is like a loan against your first inventory run, which is the hardest run to finance. So there became I could see forming an explosion of exciting new products forming, like like we've never seen before, from unexpected sources. But the retail trend I mentioned earlier was a was a, an opposite, an opposing force. Because uh, let me tell you a story. When I worked at Play School, I even see, saw this happening. We we big company. We had plenty of ability to get products to market. You would think, but I noticed our best products were not making it to market, yeah. and. It didn't make sense to me. Um, I wasn't there very long and I saw our product line shrinking and I asked my boss, who's Meg Whitman, now the famous Meg Whitman, but she was CEO of PlaySchool at the time, not, not as well known. And she said, if Kmart, Target, Toys R Us or Walmart don't want it, we can't make it. Be. And she was referring to the fact that we used to be able to place our new products in the smaller chains, in the mom and pops, in the local stores, and that's those are the retailers who take all the risks. Their lifeblood is new products, and the toy industry was losing that level of distribution. And it was hurting even our big company. So that was a while ago. This was happening in the '90s. Fast forward to the you know to where we are today, or 10, even ten years ago, and we started the company. Retail was fixed at pretty large formats. Very risk averse, really just want to buy kind of what they bought last year with the twist, right? And then all these new companies were showing up that that needed a spotlight.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, the big companies are risk averse. Uh, they kind of want a sure thing. They're not going to put all their all their resources behind everything. And and I think you you or someone you quote in the book calls it the third third revolution, web yes. web yeah, meets manufacturing. Right. I love that thought process. Right.
2: You know who um, you're quoting actually is a pretty pretty prominent thought leader, Chris Anderson. Um, he started Wired magazine and he really um, created the idea of the long tail of content that had a lot of influence on Amazon and Netflix, and now he's behind TED Talks. so he yeah, he he wrote a book um, related to this third industrial revolution and yeah. the maker movement.
1: Exactly. So let's um, tell us about sure. your co-founder. And uh, you mentioned one experience you had before you uh, started the grommet, but tell us about your co-founder and what experiences you both had, to uh, I guess, kind of get you ready to start the grommet. What did that look like?
2: So we met, um, again, back in the 90s um, when she was vice president of product development at Keds, the shoe company. I came in to run licensing, so basically lending our brand to other, other companies, and um, we both worked for the person I mentioned earlier, Meg Whitman, and we became respectful of each other um, as colleagues. I, I, I admired her work ethic and her relentless defense of quality on behalf of our customers. Mm-hmm. No shoe got by her that wasn't worth the KEDS brand. And I admired how she defended the company in terms of um, it, it being a good citizen in the world and, and her own behavior and the way she expected her team to behave. And so there's that backdrop, right, of like tremendous respect. I, I became useful to her, I would say, because I was kind of a,
1: yeah.
2: a a cool hunter in the company. It was a side job I did on, on top of my licensing job. I've, I'm an industrial designer, so... I tend to see transforming. Um, I I was always paid to sort of, you know, a designer learns that as part of their profession. So I I was helpful to her in finding potential new big product line ideas. So we worked together on that basis. And then we both along the way had three sons in relatively the same time frame. And we ended up sharing a nanny for part of our professional (laughs) careers.
1: This this is really a close relationship for goodness sakes.
2: It became that. Yeah. And it, I have to say, you know, when you're co-founding a company, it's about as tight a relationship yep. as a marriage. Right. You know, I, oddly enough, you spend more time with with that person probably than you do with your spouse during the company. And um, so I, I knew what she was made of. And when I called her, I guess she figured she knew what I was made of because she she answered the call.
1: I feel that way about my co-host, Jay Kelly Hoey. Not that we shared a number of kids or anything like that, but the trust and the relationship is uh, very positive. Did we mention her name, Joanne? And how do you pronounce her last name?
2: <laughs> oh, sorry. Joanne Yeah, And, um, we were orienting some new employees yesterday and I told the employees, you probably won't see us in the room very often. And once in em- same room, sorry. And, uh, once a new employee thought we didn't like each other or something, and I said, no, this is, this is what trust looks like. If she's in the room making a decision, I don't need to be there and vice versa.
1: I think one of the questions uh, you should always ask is, uh, can they pronounce your uh, both of your last names correctly? And then if they can, then they should be considered. So let's talk about the book, How We Make Stuff Now turn ideas into products that build successful businesses. So kind of give me the overview. We're talking about some things in it, but kind of give me the overview. And why were you compelled to write it?
2: So we, we over the course, now it's almost 3,000 3, products that we've launched over 10 years. And wow. we've launched some pretty big ones like Fitbit, SodaStream, OtterBox. Um, some people know and love Bananagram. So many, many household names, Swell Water Bottles. We watched how all those companies, and even in the ones I mentioned, in the beginning, um, are figuring it out. And they, the minute they launch their product, the minute they have a viable product, then they're competing directly with the big guys. And they need to be good to great at 16 different competencies, ranging from protecting their intellectual property to creating packaging to logistics to financing to marketing and they're all doing it by themselves and I've over the years been able to observe how they solve these problems and how they help each other and so this book is essentially um, a give back it's a how-to book for those next generation of makers to hopefully help them get to the top of the class on the areas where they might be struggling or they're encountering problems they've never seen before. I'm, I'm giving them all the best advice I could possibly give them because 3,000 companies have taught us this. So it's super snackable. You know, you can read any chapter in any order because you might be worried about packaging one day and you might be worried about um I don't know how to prototype a different day. So uh, that it's written to to be read however you need it to be read. Lots of case studies from our makers. So to give back and then, um, you know, if there's any selfish motive, it's that I hope the next generation of makers who come to us will be just a little bit further along because they read the book.
1: (laughs) That that makes sense. Um, My guest is Jules Pieri. Her last name is spelled P-I-E-R-I. The uh, resources in this book are incredible. And I believe the website for the book to learn more about uh, what's in there and more about Jules's, the website is howwemakestuffnow.com. Is that correct, Jules? Yes.
2: And, and when I get off this this um, interview, I'm going to go and add Jay Kelly's Build Your Dream Network to Chapter 3.
1: Wow, oh, unbelievable. No, seriously.
2: That, that yeah. is one of the most important skills of a maker is You know, let's just start from the assumption um, that they don't know much. And in fact, it's factual because only 10% of our makers have any experience in the product area where they're working. So it might be a dentist creating a toy or a teacher creating a medical device. I mean, these are real stories. And... The first thing and the most important thing they need to learn how to do if they don't have one already is build a network, right? You don't have to be the person who understands how to do all this stuff, but you have to be able to get to the people who do. And um, that, that is a, a discipline and, and, and sort of set of practices that not everyone has needed in their careers. Mm. And it's something you need to
0: learn like anything else.
1: Kelly. More, more well, to add.
0: I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in because I know I hit chapter three of your book, Jules, and you know I want to say I'm going I'm to read from page twenty one. You say before you start asking anyone for anything, you need to do some basic research from the comfort of your own couch or chair. You like it's highlighted. You had me cheering, um, but you know let's. I want to flip over to page twenty three. I also love that you really stress the importance of LinkedIn. Mm. Um, talk about that in terms of I think people think of LinkedIn like for professional, like I need a job. But talk about how makers should be using it. Oh, sure. Well, first, I'll just back up a little.
2: I competed directly with LinkedIn before the ground. I was president of a company that was also trying to be the, you know, the professional social network. It was called Ziggs and sold to reputation.com. So I, I've, I've known this space since before the Gram and really respect what LinkedIn has built. And what a maker needs to do is figure out Whatever their current issue is, there's likelihood that there's a maker who solved it. So if I were trying to create, say, something um, in the home goods area, something you know made out of fabric, I would be looking for companies that have done something that's not directly competitive, but maybe crack some of the same uh, manufacturing or marketing issues. And I'd be looking for the principles of that company on LinkedIn. And in the book, I explain how to approach people because I I don't think it's as simple as saying, hey, please, will you talk to me? You need to explain who you are and why. But I would be looking for whatever competencies are represented in the people on LinkedIn that I can get to, ideally through my, you know, my own connections. So, you know, people who've already built a LinkedIn network probably can get an introduction to many of the people they need. But even if they haven't done that yet, I explain how to, to get get started because that's going to be the base for all of your future success. It sounds like I'm exaggerating, but whenever I'm doing something new with the grommet, which happens all the time, I, I almost always start on LinkedIn. Like who know? Like why, why do I have to, I'm, I'm doing a pulling a page out of the Steve jobs book. He was apparently famous for this. <laughs> like, why do I have to know all this stuff? I'll go find somebody who does. And that's what LinkedIn's great for.
1: Yeah. Well, you're, You're uh, singing to the choir here with uh, Kelly and Marty because uh, we both deal with uh, early stage companies and and early, uh, you know, early adopters, if you will, or people who are starting their businesses. So this is uh, this is great stuff. Back to the book or just as a general comment, give me maybe one or two of the top challenges. We mentioned a couple already. Maybe they weren't prepared to begin with, but maybe mention a couple other ones like, uh, well, I I have some ideas. You tell me some of the top challenges they do fake that you hear every day?
2: Um, I would say I'm going to like jump to the advanced class of things that even if people, you know, don't read the book, I would want them to know because these are, like you said, top challenges. First of all, um, I think it's super important to make sure you have a big target market that you're not, a, you're not solving a problem for a very small population or a small potential customer base. And, The one place I see that an awful lot is with new parents. Um, When you have a, you know, you're taking your your children and raising them through different life stages, there's always this like hair on fire problem happening. That quite often a product could help with, and the parent will search and find that um, there's no solution. And they're absolutely right. There could be a great product solution, but here's the problem: quite often those problems last about a month, Mm -hmm. and. By the time somebody starts even thinking they want some solution to it, the problem's already starting to evaporate. So right. the idea for the product may be brilliant, but the but getting at that market could be tough, could be, it's just not an enduring enough situation for the or repetitive enough situation. So that's an example of like, make sure it's a big enough target market. So you don't have to be a genius and get everything right. Um, perfectly right out of the gate. Um, right. Secondly, I would go to great lengths to protect my intellectual property up front. And by that, I mean, protect your company name, the trademark of your name, um, securing the URL for your company, um, securing any patents that are possible, which is a much bigger climb than a trademark or a logo protection. Um, mm-hmm. But anything that is protectable, I would protect. And I do I do refer to uh, a book there's a chapter on this in the book, but I also refer to a book that's helpful to this, in in my uh, website and in the book as well. Uh, and the reason you do that is because um, the world's changed a lot in the last five years, because especially on Amazon, right? The um in yeah. influence or the infiltration of Chinese manufacturers who yep. knock you off is.
1: Yeah. I'm glad glad you mentioned Amazon because you warn in the book about rushing into selling your product on Amazon. You make that point very strongly. And the word counterfeiting I have in my notes, uh, you open yourself up for, for some of these kinds of things. Uh, so that's value. Even if they don't read the book, they should read the book, but there's value right there. Don't be so quick with the Amazon, right?
2: Yeah. I would say it, it has a role and sometimes it's a very important role, but, um, I would not, I think what I find is that makers have, all of us have very positive consumer experiences on Amazon for the most part, you know, mm-hmm. what's not the like, you know, great, great um, service and prices are generally fair and uh, great variety of products. Um, but what they don't realize is, is how many of those products are indeed counterfeit and how much Amazon is inclined to knock you off. With their private label businesses it's 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 unprecedented in the world to yeah. have a platform like that also attack its customers you know it's 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 sellers it's, um so it's wild. It's, it's a unique entity and again i have mad respect for the company and for jeff bezos he may be the most brilliant business person ever born but he's not necessarily a friend of small business Is what i'm saying
1: yeah So, um, again, my guest is Jules Pieri, P I E R I. Uh, Her company is The Gromit, and that is TheGromit.com. To learn more about uh, the book and all the resources, go to How We Make Stuff Now. I want uh, two more questions for you to kind of start wrapping up. Tell me about citizen commerce. What's that about?
2: So this is a very mission-driven business, and and I believe that business, over and above government or nonprofits or educational institution, has the speed and resources to form the world we live in, and and citizen commerce is a way of sort of describing how we as individual people can influence that, and we do that every single day when we. When we share a business, or we, you know, we purchase their services or their products, or we walk down the street to support a local retailer, or mm-hmm. we are a backer on an Indiegogo campaign, we're putting a vote in for a company, or a retailer, or a service that we think supports, you know, what we want to see happening in the world. It serves a need, or it's a company with values that we appreciate, and. The ability to do that now is way more powerful than yep. it ever was. Absolutely. For yeah. More transparency about companies, like who, who, who's behind them and what they stand for. And, um, I believe that if all of us just took 10% of our disposable income and directed it more thoughtfully to those companies you know there there are there are products that we buy or services we need that we don't get a lot of choice you know we have to go to the cable companies potentially or we you know we probably have to buy an automobile from a very large company that isn't behaving you know in in all the ways we love but if you're buying something, whether it's anything from food to gifts to home decor to clothing, things that where you have a huge variety of, of companies of all sizes and and stripes, that's where you can be really thoughtful and it's incredibly
0: powerful.
1: And I'll give a free commercial. Go to the thegromit.com and look for those products. <laughs> one last question before we wrap up. I, I've been waiting to ask this one. You partnered with Ace Hardware. What drove that decision and how's it working out? <laughs>
2: Great. Um, So they were a customer uh, because we have a wholesale side of our business where we help these companies continue to scale and grow. And Ace became a customer buying products, ultimately putting 250 Gromit branded displays in their stores. They have 5,000 stores. And it was successful. The kind of customers who came in and the halo effect on the stores was
1: brilliant. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So
2: they made an investment. I had a a prior uh, strategic investor, like a large company that had invested in Company and they bought their stock. And so we've expanded what I described before. And I really ace is like so heartfelt. like these are all locally
1: owned stores. great, great organization. And yeah. so
2: they are yeah. you know that you couldn't match our missions more closely
1: uh no if you drew this up uh back in 2008 you may not have been able to plan it any better so our guest has been jules Pieri, p-i-e-r-i her company she's the co-founder of is thegromit.com to learn more about the book and all the resources there go to how we make stuff now i don't want to leave without asking kelly Hoy. any last comments or questions kelly uh,
0: i just i love I wanted to see a comment on mission driven. One of the things I always say is, you know, invest in the change you want to see in the world. And I think people forget that every day with their pocketbook, uh, they have the chance to make, you know, a significant amount of change. So thank you for being mission driven and thank you for getting so many incredible products on the market. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure.
1: Jules, thanks so much for being part of the business builder show. It's been a real treat. Thank you.
0: Thank you guys.
1: Thank you so much for listening to the Business Builder Show. To learn more about me and I'm Marty Wolf, go to Marty Wolf, Business That's Marty Wolf, Business To learn more about Kelly Hoey, go to her website, which is jkellyhoey.co. That's jkellyhoey.co. And of course, you can find Kelly and Marty on LinkedIn and Twitter. A reminder you can find all our Business Builder Shows on iTunes, Spotify, and on your Favorite podcast app.
0: Bringing the business classroom to you, it's the
2: Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf.